Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. Hello, Cosmos Country. Welcome back to another edition of First Team Podcast. I'm your host, John Frashante. So we have two topics of discussion on this week's episode. The first topic is on the management and the treatment of players in lower division soccer, specifically Hartford Athletic in the USL and the United Soccer League. And the last topic is um, on the future of our boys in green. So there's some quotes and um, some thoughts from um, Cosmos players on the future of the club that we love, the New York Cosmos. The first story is on the lower division soccer management and the treatment of players. And this comes from SockTakes.com. Check it out. The article and the title is Players Allege Poor Treatment at Hartford Athletic. So Bruce Mendel is the owner of um, Hartford Athletic in the USL. And according to Sock Takes, and according to these examples, I guess, given by players of the club, they haven't really handled the players and the staff in the best way possible. So these examples go as follows. Um, the postseason friendlies. So basically, they scheduled postseason friendlies, not even thinking about the possibility of their players getting injured. And I guess if these players didn't want to play in these friendlies and they use the quote the club used the quote I guess in emails to these players as club directed activities so if they forego the friendlies if they don't participate in the friendlies um, I guess they um, lose their last month of pay so I don't know how legal that is um, but that's what they were doing and also players shared the fears with sock takes that they feared getting injured in meaningless games that could impact new contracts for the 2020 season. So I would just put it out there that as a supporter of the New York Cosmos, I enjoy watching my team playing international friendlies or playing friendlies at home, right? We don't get to see too many friendlies in the New York area, but I think as a Cosmos supporter, I think we take even more joy watching our team go abroad and go to Cuba and go to play CD Foss in El Salvador and go to Hong Kong and go play in these high-profile matches, I guess, for U.S. soccer, making history. So I do understand from a club standpoint that they do want to make history and they do want to put on a show and, and, and have their club be put on a map. But I guess this is the most important point is that you don't want your most important employees, your players, the people that are making you the money that are um, helping bring the fans and helping sign the sponsors. You don't want those players getting hurt if you qualified for the playoffs or if you go into the championship. But then also the players are thinking about 2020. So 
they don't want to get hurt because they want a contract and they want to get paid and they want to play professional soccer in 2020. So I think clubs need to have more understanding and have to worry and care for these players, even if they're only signed for a one-year deal. It's so important that club management think about their players, think about the most important employees, in my opinion. And I know there's going to be um, people listening to this podcast saying, well, John, there's office staff, there's social media people, there's a marketing and, and, and sponsor departments at these clubs. And yet they're important as well, but without the players, right? And I think we have to understand this. Without 22 players on the field, there's no game, right? Without one team having 11 players to field a team, there is no game on the weekend. You could sell your sponsors, you could sell your tickets, you could rent your stadium, you can have a broadcast deal. But without the people on the field, there's no game. There's no team. You can't sell your merchandise. So I think the USL and the Hartford Athletic ownership management group have to understand, have to take their players seriously, really, when they come with these concerns and they're communicating it with sock takes. They need to be communicating this with their club. Um, Maybe they don't want to hear it, but I would like to think that telling your employees if you don't do something, you're not getting paid, I think that's that has to be illegal because these players sign contracts, right? So they sign contracts before they play and before the season starts in most cases. So they're sort of guaranteeing that they're going to get paid. And yeah, there's probably some clauses in most of their contracts saying if you don't show up, you get fined or you're not getting paid, things like that. But if you don't play in a game that doesn't mean anything, or as the club put it, club-directed activities and these postseason friendlies, you're not getting, you're going to lose your last month of pay. But the players are sharing their fears for getting injured or if they get injured in meaningless games, which are the postseason friendlies, that that could impact new contracts for the 2020 season. The next example is meals. So the club provided breakfast and lunch to players from February to May. After May, the club cut down on the number of times it provided lunch. In recent months, the club stopped providing lunch at all. As a comparison, Sock takes confirmed with players at two other USL clubs that they are provided meals before and after training. So most USL championship clubs, they're provided money each weekend, but Harford Athletic, they only give their players $50 a weekend, requiring players to purchase six to seven meals with that money. But other USL championship clubs provide higher figures to the players, Plus, they often provide players with meals before and after games. So, Harford Athletic players, most of them are probably not getting a decent wage. And then they're asked to then go and uh, buy six to seven meals with $50. Is that even possible to buy six to seven meals with $50? So, you have to take into account, say, these are away matches, right? So you're in a hotel. You're probably in a very cheap hotel. So there's no kitchen, right? There's no kitchen. And what are you going to buy? You're most likely going to go out there and buy fast food, buy a KFC, buy a $5 fill-up. You have to buy, what, 
six meals, you could buy five, I mean, six $5 fill-ups for $30. You have $20 left. But I guess you get the point that professional players shouldn't go out there and buy KFC or McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever fast food joint is near the stadium. They should get decent meals that are going to satisfy and propel a professional athlete to the next level. And I don't know why the owner doesn't want to comment on this because I think the problem that they're going to have is that if more players hear about this, they hear about these examples from players that are already playing with the club, this is not a great marketing tactic. This is not a great promotional article. It's basically great investigative journalism, really, um, talking to players, getting their thoughts on what's going on, and breaking a story. And they probably put that to the owner saying, hey, we have these claims from your players. What do you think about it? And I guess he doesn't want to have his say. Sources suggest that the highest annual salary for a player at Hartford Athletic is forty-four grand, and many players are making below $20,000. This is the most shocking thing here on salaries. There is at least one player making $500 per month. And Sock Takes confirmed that a player was signed on a $0 incentivized contract on which he played for two months. After those two months, he was awarded a professional contract. So how do you sell that, right? Do you call that an internship, right? You're a professional organization. People know you're backed by millions and millions of dollars, maybe billions of dollars. How do you sit there and make someone sign a $0 incentivized contract? And maybe he was a young player. Maybe he came from the youth academy or something like that. I don't support Hartford Athletic. I don't know anything about their club on and off the field. But in this article, it's not giving them a great selling point. It's not giving them a great name for people that don't know too much about their club. They even prevented players from making additional income. Unlike other players around the league who have side hustles, side jobs, such as coaching or other jobs to make additional income, the club forbids its players from having any part-time jobs despite their low salaries. And Sock Takes was provided with documentation that confirmed Mandel, the owner of the club, prohibited player requests to avail themselves of coaching opportunities in order to make extra money. I guess that proves how insane lower division soccer is. And I think U.S. soccer, they promote professional soccer or professional sanctioning. And they say, you need to have $10 million. You need to have a net worth of X amount of money to be at this division. Division 3, Division 2, Division 1. For the sake of this conversation, let's just say that that's okay. Having that net worth, that's okay. You need people in professional soccer to have the money. On the other hand, you can have the money, but do you know how to run a professional organization? Not even a soccer club. Do you know how to run a professional business? Do you know how to run a professional sports team? I think the people and the management group and the ownership group at Hartford Athletic, 
you can give them a big fat no. They don't know what they're doing. To have a player sign for a $0 incentivized contract, that has to be illegal. People might argue that, oh, it's sports. Um, They don't want to guarantee him money. They want him to prove his case and prove his point and prove that he has what it takes to be successful. They're not making millions of dollars. They're not. It's not Major League Baseball. It's not the NBA. There's no um, league minimum wage or minimum salary. I believe MLS's minimum salary, it's at a decent wage. It's at a decent level. But the annual salary, the highest annual salary for a player at Hartford Athletic is forty-four grand, And there was at least one player making $500 per month. That's a complete embarrassment. And even that player on a $0 incentivized contract, that's insane as well. So why isn't USL investigating this and um, examining and monitoring everything their clubs are doing? Because just because they reach that requirement level, they're in a stadium, they're in a certain market size that, that makes sense for the league and for the federation, and they have a certain amount of money, okay, they meet the requirements. But if you break laws, if you're paying something nothing and saying if you do well, we'll pay you one day, how is that legal? You know what I mean? How is that legal? If you're an amateur side, if you're a semi-pro side and you don't pay your players or maybe one day you will once your club gets to a certain level, I can understand that. But Hartford Athletic, they're a professional club. And we all know their owner has to have a net worth of a couple million dollars or more than a couple million dollars. He's definitely a millionaire. So how can you just pay one guy a $0 incentivized contract? I guess both sides had to sign the contract, right? So I guess the player was sort of happy with that. I think this is the main problem in lower division soccer. And I'll try to bring up this conversation and this topic in our new series coming to first team podcast, which is stakeholders roundtable. Just to let you guys know, Starting next week, we will have Stakeholders Roundtable Episode 1. And I know over the past couple of weeks, we've had commercials on First Team Podcast saying that we're going to have five conversations, five interviews, five episodes. But Season 1 is going to be reduced to three conversations and only three episodes. And just barring uh, major news from the New York Cosmos, over the next three weeks... We will have three episodes of season one of Stakeholders Roundtable. And um, on Twitter, you can check it out on Twitter at First Team Pod. On Facebook at First Team Pod. We will announce and we will release who the first guest will be on Stakeholders Roundtable. Um, Because Stakeholders Roundtable, the goal of the series is to talk to people in the New York City area. Because we've grown to have a following and and have connections in the New York City market. And I'm not saying that to be arrogant and say, well, we know people, we have connections. But the point I'm trying to make is that they will talk to us. They will share the uncensored uh, version of what's going on. And I, and I really think that's what's going to make Stakeholders Roundtable very special is we want to get people... And it's just a test at the moment. It's three episodes, season one. We want to know what you think about Stakeholders Roundtable. So next week, when you're listening to the first episode with our guest from the New York City area, 
Email the show. Let us know what you think at firstteampod at gmail.com. Or you can um, tweet us or send us a message on Facebook at First Team Pod. And um, that will continue for the next two weeks after the first episode early next week. And then, uh, like I said, barring uh, big news from the New York Cosmos or from the lawsuit or whatever from U.S. Soccer, we will continue those three episodes. And then um, I will be back with, I guess, regular programming. Um, Hopefully we will hear more news or better news or positive news on the front of the New York Cosmos. We have an article from uh, Michael Lewis. Thanks to Michael Lewis once again, providing some great content on FrontRowSoccer.com. The title of his article is The Waiting Game. Cosmos players Mendez wants to return, but it's out of their hands. So that's the sad part. Even the players don't have control, um, but they want to return. That's the great thing. And that's what we hear every single season is that the players want to return. Danny Satella wants to return. Mendez wants to be the coach. Great. But now it's up to the Cosmos management. What's going to happen in 2020? And we have a listener question, which I will get to. Because on last week's episode, I was saying that is Nisa the right league for the New York Cosmos? And um, I think it is because the NPSL doesn't want us. Major League Soccer doesn't want us. USL doesn't want us. Um, am I missing a league here? MLS, USL, and MPSL. So a semi-pro league and two professional leagues don't want us. So that leaves us with NISA if we want to play in 2020 in a competitive league. So that's why I think NISA is the best fit for the New York Cosmos. Is it the best league in U.S. soccer at the moment? Maybe not. Is it the best fit for the New York Cosmos? If we had a choice, probably not. But we don't have a choice. That's the whole point. We don't have a choice. If we want to play professional soccer, that's the only route. Or if you want to play soccer in general, that's the only route for the Neurocosmos. So we have to make it fit. We have to make it work. And we have to be successful on and off the field in NISA. And that includes the stakeholders of the Cosmos, which is the fans, the players, Rocco Camiso, the Cosmos management, the Cosmos staff. And I think we will make it work if the Cosmos do join NISA, which I, I don't know if they are, um, but I hope that we will have some news on that front really soon. So we have NYC Sports Punk on Twitter. Uh, he was responding to the question, is NISA the right league for the Cosmos? And he said, no. If it dies, the New York Cosmos will be blamed. Enough is enough. If the United States Soccer Federation doesn't want any part of the New York Cosmos, then maybe the Cosmos and the New York market need to explore alternatives. Maybe Mexico, South America, Europe, global brand for a global league. The way things are going, it's inevitable. A lot of people have always floated that idea around like, the Cosmos should play in South America and Mexico and Europe. I don't think that will ever work because, yeah, we're being sort of kicked out or shut out of these leagues, MLS, USL, MPSL. But I don't see the Cosmos ever joining a foreign league. I think the only chance was Canada 
but the CPL doesn't want us, and they do have a point, why would a Canadian league want a New York team? Yeah, we have a big brand and people know who we are, but we're not a Canadian club. And we would definitely be playing in New York City. We wouldn't be moving to Canada to play in a Canadian league or in a Mexican league or in a South American league or in a European league. So I think the New York Cosmos always have a home in New York City. You don't want to see the Cosmos playing in Europe or playing in Mexico or playing in South America. You want to see us playing U.S. soccer and change things in our country instead of just running away and going to play in a league that is already successful. I want to see the Cosmos continue to break down barriers. I want to see the Cosmos continue to make history and continue, I guess, to make the establishment upset and angry and nervous. And over time, we're going to make them fear us. We're the best team in U.S. soccer, the biggest brand in U.S. soccer, and hopefully that lawsuit will change things over time. And at NYC Sports Punk, he came back with another tweet. Thanks, NYC Sports Punk. He says, imagine a global league based on pro-rel where top of the table in each league around the world gets promoted to the global league. Since MLS doesn't do pro-rel for USA, they are left out, and New York Cosmos and New York Market take that spot. That leads to an open pyramid in America without MLS. Imagine that. Imagine a global league based on pro-rel where top of the table in each league around the world gets promoted to the global league. And um, I think there were talks about that, about a global league. But I believe it was supposed to be like a closed league, like Major League Soccer. So you could take the biggest clubs around the world and you would put them in this global league. Like you would pick um, maybe Manchester United, Barcelona, Real Madrid, let's just say Manchester City. So that's about like four clubs. And then you would take Juventus. And then you would continue to take the best clubs from each country. And then they would be in a global league. But NYC Sports Punk, his comment here is having a pro-rail structure um, where the people that win the league or they would go uh, to this higher league, this global league. I really think that's a cool idea. But I don't see it working uh, because the top clubs across the world, they want the league and and I guess they want power and they want control of that league. And they don't want, let's just say, the Leicesters of the world winning the Premier League and joining this global league. And it wouldn't be as exciting because they're not or they wouldn't be bigger clubs, big brands from across the world playing in this global league and and having the most fans and things like that. It's all about the money at the end of the day. And I love the New York Cosmos, but will they bring so much excitement and so much money and so much, let's just say, player power to a global league? I'm not really sure. Um, because imagine going up against the Chelsea's of the world, the Man City's, the Real Madrid's, um, the Barcelona's. Messi versus Danny Satella, right? Imagine that. So I think it would definitely be a challenge, a big challenge for the New York Cosmos, but one I think that we would all like to see one day. So going back to the article on frontrowsoccer.com, Danny Satella hoped a decision will be made sooner than later. He said, yeah, I definitely want to play. It all depends on what's going to happen. 
I can't wait forever. That decision hopefully will be made soon. If the club wants me back, I want to be back to play, but also I'm going to look for other opportunities to make sure I can provide for my family. I can't wait forever. I'm not 25 years old anymore. Even on goalie at 37 years old, had this to say, at this moment, I don't like, he said with a laugh. At this moment, I would like to go on holiday. He said, for sure, my first goal is to stay here, to stay with the Cosmos. Let's see how the things go. If things go in a good way, I will try to stay here. I will try if the club wants. It's not only in my hands. Let's see what happens. We can say nothing now. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Let's wait and we'll talk again. Even 23-year-old Lewis had this to say on the future of the New York Cosmos. Kind of taking it day by day. I don't know anything about the future of the Cosmos. I'm just going to prepare myself this offseason the best I can to see what happens next year. Wherever I may be, I want to be at the top of my game ready to play. Obviously, I would hope it would be with the Cosmos, but I don't know. I just don't. And finally, Carlos Mendez, captain, former captain of the New York Cosmos and current coach of the Cosmos for the past two seasons in the MPSL and the Members' Cup, is keeping his fingers crossed as well. He said, I love this club. Very lucky to be coaching a great group of players. On and off the field, great people in this locker room. I would be very honored and happy if I can get the opportunity to come back. It's key for us. Carlos Mendez said that it's vital if you have a base. If you know that path forward, you can build on the group you have. It will make a big difference because you're not starting from scratch and not trying to put a team together at the last minute. We'll see what the future holds. Hopefully it's best case and it's positive. So what Carlos is talking about is over the past couple of seasons, there's always been this question mark over the future of the New York Cosmos. And we don't like that at all as Cosmos supporters. I guess the coaching staff doesn't like it as well because each season, each offseason, they need to put a team together from scratch. And then when you're doing it last minute, you're not getting the best players, most likely. You're just trying to get a group of players together to field a team in that season. But if the Cosmos join Nisa, hopefully they can make that announcement earlier. They can bring a coaching staff back, if that's Carlos Mendez. They can sign players. Hopefully that's Danny Satella. Hopefully that's the players from this past season. And sign better players, bigger name players, um, to put the Cosmos on the map in the New York City market. And I'm not putting down the current crop of players. But what I'm saying is, if you're joining a professional league, possibly moving if they do play in Nisa, hopefully to a bigger and better and more professional stadium, hopefully they will sign an exciting name, an exciting player, someone that they can market and someone that could be the face of the club. So I guess the moral of the story is let's come together as Cosmos supporters and let's hope and pray and cross our fingers and cross our toes that 
the Cosmos will come back in 2020. That the Cosmos will come back stronger. Will come back and play in a professional league. Hopefully that's Nisa. Move to a, a professional stadium. Hopefully that's MCU Park. Sign big name players. Exciting players. Marketable players. And just bring excitement back to New York City soccer. Playing it in the MPSL wasn't the best. I'll admit that. It wasn't the best competition. It wasn't the best quality. And I guess we have to be thankful that we got kicked out of the league, really. Um, or they don't want us anymore. Because we can't pair our players. So we can join the league, I guess, if we want. But we have to participate in the amateur league and not pair our players. So the Cosmos won't be able to have professional players. Unless Danny Satella, and he most likely doesn't, or Bloody Bartage or whoever wants to play for free. And these players don't because they deserve a wage, a living wage. And that's um, something that supporters need to understand is that when you go to these stadiums, players are struggling, maybe in their personal lives. There's more things going on behind the scenes that we will ever know because the owners want to keep this behind closed doors. And I sort of understand that. Um, but we need to take that into it and account and treat our players right. And players in U.S. soccer, regardless of what level they're at, they deserve better. They truly deserve better. No player deserves to make $0 on an incentivized contract. Um, I think no player should deserve a professional club shouldn't pay a player $500 a month. That's insane. No matter how old he is, no matter um, what type of player he is, I think every single player deserves a living wage, not different pay grades for different category of player. And yeah, I think across the world, you do see that, right? You do see the Messi's of the world, the Ronaldo's of the world getting the higher pay. But players at Barcelona that are not as good as Messi, they're still getting a decent wage. Maybe they don't have a lot of money on their side compared to Messi, but they're still making a decent amount of money compared to a normal person's day-to-day wage. So I will just leave it at that. We have a question, and I will answer that, um, from Boston Mario 918 Mario said, why would you want the Cosmos to join NISA? Wouldn't that prove the United States Soccer Federation right that the North American Soccer League could have survived in Division 3? Well, Mario, to answer your question, I think that's what a lot of people were saying was that the Cosmos can join NISA because then that would ruin the lawsuit. But I think Mickey Turner came out on Twitter recently and he said that the NASL is suing the U.S. Soccer Federation. So basically, the Cosmos can do whatever they want. They can not prove in court, but they can sort of show people that they can sign decent players, that they can play in a professional league. And according to Mickey Turner, I don't know how true this is, but he is a lawyer. According to Mickey Turner, it's not the Cosmos that will be affected. I guess it's the NASL. But when you think about it, well, the Cosmos were a member of the NASL. Um, so when you look at the media reports, it looks like Rocco was suing the U.S. Soccer Federation. 
but it's the NASL as an entity. It's not the New York Cosmos. It's the NASL. So in short, Mickey Turner came out on Twitter and said that I guess the Cosmos can do what they want. They can join NISA. That won't affect the lawsuit because it's the NASL as a league suing the Federation. And even if U.S. soccer, because they probably will bring it up, Jeffrey Kessler should just get up and argue and say to the judge, Hey, judge, the Cosmos had no other league to join. If they wanted to continue, right? If they wanted to continue playing competitive soccer, Jeffrey Kessler can name the leagues and say, Major League Soccer didn't want the New York Cosmos or they don't want the New York Cosmos. USL, they don't want the New York Cosmos. NPSL, now they're an amateur league now. You can't pay your players. So for the Cosmos to be successful, they needed to join a brand new league, NISA. And then you can come out and you can bring up quotes that maybe NISA was questioning if they could take the New York Cosmos because they might lose their sanctioning. There probably is evidence that the Cosmos and that the NASL can prove in a court of law that states that if the Cosmos do join the league or maybe that the U.S. Soccer Federation is working against NISA. So at face value, it looks like the Cosmos can't join because of the lawsuit. But according to Mickey Turner, it looks like the Cosmos, if they want to, they can and it would not affect the lawsuit. So keep it locked here on First Team Podcast. I really appreciate all the support on the podcasts. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at First Team Pod. Check our website, firstteampod.com. Email the show. I would love to get your feedback on this week's episode. You can email the show at firstteampod at gmail.com. Make sure you give us a like on Facebook. I would really appreciate that one. Like I said earlier, starting next week, you will hear Stakeholders Roundtable, a new series to First Team Podcast with guests from the New York City area, which there are stakeholders. They could be players, agents, uh, league management. We will reveal more on social media. So keep it locked there um, for the lists of our guests. Um, so I do appreciate all the support and everyone um, eventually coming on the show. I really thank them um, for believing in First Team Podcast and um, believing in the platform that we've built I would like to thank everyone for tuning into this week's episode of First Team Podcast. I really appreciate it. And um, keep it locked here for more news on the New York Cosmos. I wish for the best and the most positive news on um, the future of the New York Cosmos. Because, um, like I said on previous episodes, I don't want to see the Cosmos go on a hiatus. um, Because that would definitely ruin the Cosmos brand in the modern era because once you go on the hiatus and you take a couple of years off because you're waiting for the lawsuit, there's no guarantees for when you're going to come back. I don't want to see that. I want to see the Cosmos continue playing. If that's Nisa, I'm all for it. So keep it locked here on First Team Podcast for all the news regarding the NASL, the lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation, and the future of our boys 
in green. So once again, thanks for tuning in to First Team Podcast. I really appreciate it. And as always, let's go New York City Originals, the New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. The Borough Boys, the Benadol Cosmos, and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York Street and White. What we bleed, you see, and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo Country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely somethings come and see it in our playing. The fact of it is, the rap from Tate attacks, passion, bliss. Reacts, tap, and we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's tag the wing, holding back to the through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Effects Girl, down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you without the views. Like shouting cues aloud to you without the dudes. Around my crews, I'll check the past, no excuse. Each session, the lesson is not about perfection. The work's the test, and F's connected like a method. Not breathless after training, something's gotta be corrected. Rushing and acceleration at the start's the most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun. Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done.